Good evening. It's good to be here with you this evening. Uh, if you'll go ahead and open up your Bibles to Romans 16, 25 through 27. And as been mentioned, we are continuing on in our, our study and discussion on the mysteries as um, it contained in Scripture that, that Paul has given us. And as we, as we look at those, those mysteries, going back to our first week uh, and getting the, uh, the definition and explanation of the mysteries uh, from, from Josh Womble, we would see that Paul uses this term mystery to mean something that is, is a hidden wisdom. Josh also mentioned to us that um, as, we, as we look at that, we, we see as we go through time and as we look through Scripture that an eternal plan of God is revealed in Christ as God provides the message from the beginning all the way up to now. And now as we look back upon that, we're looking back upon that as we look in Scripture through the lens of Christ. And that is how we derive uh, our understanding of the meanings of the mysteries. So while once the mystery was wisdom that was concealed, it has now been revealed in the person and, and ministry and mission of Jesus Christ. And as we look back on that, our entire understanding of those mysteries are through the lens of Jesus Christ. So let's read in Scripture, uh, Romans 16, 25 through 27. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, kept silent for long ages, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic scriptures, according to the command of the eternal God to advance the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles, to the only wise God through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us once again to gather in your house, Lord, to read your word, to study your word. We pray, dear Lord, that you would guide us tonight as we study uh, the, the mystery of obedience. And we, we pray, Lord, uh, that as we, as we look into it, we will see um, that you have made all things clear through Christ. We pray, Lord, that all this would be done according to your will. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, how many of you like a good mystery? I think the movies and books that, in general, that, that I like to read, things that my family likes to watch, have an element of mystery to them. Even if it might be in a little different genre, maybe a thriller or an action film, there's always this, this hint of the unknown, this things that we, we watch for as we watch in the film or, or read in the book. There are certain clues that we're given. And as we look and as we see those clues, things are revealed to us. And as we get towards the end, there's a climax, and then it's all revealed. And we're like, oh, that's what all of that stuff meant. We, we, we had that aha moment in, in those books. The, the good thing about that is that it keeps us in suspense, right? But at least things are being revealed to us as we go along. And as we get to the end and we see that, the next time we see that movie, we have a clear understanding of what's going to happen. We might look back and we might say, oh, that's why they showed that in that particular scene. That makes total sense now because that ties in with whatever happens in the end. And looking back, having seen the whole thing, we have a different frame of reference. And I think for us who are here tonight, we have that same advantage 
of being on this side of Christ's coming and fulfilling what God's mission of redemption of mankind. We, we, we have in, in view, as we look back, a lot of pieces of information and mysteries, things that were revealed to us through the prophetic writings in the Old Testament that we now can see were 100% pointing forward to Christ. They were revealing things about God. And we are learning as we look back on this side of Christ's coming, dying and being resurrected, what all of those things were that were teaching us. So as we look at the scripture tonight, we're going to be talking specifically about the mystery of the obedience of faith. We're going to be talking uh, about the, the obedience that was once attempted through observing of law and how now is flowing from our faith in Jesus Christ. So we're going to kind of walk through the scriptures uh, directly, and we're going to start with verse 25, looking at, uh, looking at where it says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. So that, that statement, strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. How is it that the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ is able to strengthen us? Well, if we look in Scripture, we'll see that the gospel itself is the power of God. In Romans, Paul does an amazing job of explaining to us what the gospel is, what it means to believe upon Jesus Christ for faith. And, and he expounds upon this in the entire letter. And as he comes here to the end and he's writing this doxology, he's actually going to be pointing back. So what I want us to do as we, as we talk about these and we look at the, the individual statements, he's actually encapsulating the writing of Romans in his doxology statement. In Romans 1, verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of of God for salvation to everyone who, believe, who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. If you remember, that's a consistent theme that to the Jew first, then to the Greek. We talked about that last week. Josh Green preached on that, uh, helping us understand the mystery of, of the gospel being uh, proclaimed and, and applied to the Gentiles. Here again, we're seeing that the power of the gospel is itself the power of God and it's for the salvation of everyone, Jews and Greeks. Later on in Romans in chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, he says, For while we were still weak, weak or powerless. When I see that word weak, sometimes I think, I don't think I was just weak when I was sinful. I was 100% dead and powerless. And I needed God's power. I needed him to intervene in my sin, in my powerlessness. It says, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the gospel is the power of God. It is the power of salvation. It is the power that makes dead people, dead in their trespasses and sins, it makes them alive. And next, as we look at the preaching of Jesus Christ, so, so remember, we're talking about the power of the gospel and the power of the preaching of Jesus Christ. It's not possible for us to come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ if it is not for the gospel contained in God's word. Faith comes from hearing God's word. Romans 10, 14 through 17 tells us that how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they've never heard? 
And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Remember, we're talking about the obedience of faith. The gospel has been preached, but not all have obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So, faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes through the word of Christ. Also, as we look at the gospel strengthening us, as the the gospel is the power to save, the preaching of Jesus Christ saved, I, I think we also need to see that the gospel is a source of peace and hope for those who are already believing in Jesus Christ. In Romans 5, 1 through 2, Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and through him we also have obtained access by faith into grace which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So right at the beginning in verse 25, we have that we're being strengthened according to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. And all of that is contained in the teachings that Paul has given us in Romans. And I think as he is closing, he's giving that closing and a summary back, looking back to what he has already written in the book. So as we continue on looking at what what he wrote for us in 1625 through 27, we see that he says, according to the revelation, this is the second half of verse 25, it says, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. So that revealing of the mystery, that looking back through the lens of Jesus Christ, we can now understand obedience of faith. The obedience of faith was kept for long ages. I would say long ages is, is maybe a little understatement because we're talking about eternity. God's plan from the beginning included us. It included understanding that man was going to disobey the one rule that God gave Adam and Eve in the garden. It was understanding all of these things in human history were going to take place. God already knew all of that. He was not surprised when any of that happened. And knowing all of that, we have to believe that God had planned sending his son. He had planned Jesus living a perfect life, fulfilling what we could not do, dying on the cross in a sacrificial manner, taking our place, bearing our sins on his body, and redeeming mankind for himself. All of that from ages past, before time began, the secret was kept until the right time the right time in God's time when he sent his son Jesus Christ into time, taking the form of man and, as I said, living the life that we could not and dying in our place. And as God goes into creation and, and, and we have time beginning and we have Adam and Eve and we move through, God continues to reveal himself, not just through creation, but as it says in, in, in the verse here that he has disclosed, verse 26, but he has now disclosed, been disclosed through the prophetic writings. So he's revealing himself now specifically through the revealing of himself to the prophets. And as the prophets are writing, they're writing things that in many cases they themselves may not have fully understood the ramifications of. As they write about a lamb being led to slaughter, 
do they specifically know at that point in time that that is referring to Jesus Christ who was yet to come? Do, when they talk about the king uh, who was to come after the line of David, do they understand? I, I think at the time they're writing what God had given them to write. And there's certainly a context that they're writing to and people that they're writing for, but there's some things that they're writing that I think are out beyond what they can see. But praise God, it's not beyond what he can see. His will, his way, his perfect plan was at work and is revealed progressively through the writing of the prophets in the Old Testament. And as we get to Jesus Christ, we now see it being made known to all nations. All nations going beyond working through Abraham, working through the Israelite people, working through the Jewish nation, now going to all nations. Romans 10, 10 through 13 says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. As I mentioned in the Old Testament, they were directly relating to God. They were relating to God through the covenant that, that he had made with them. They related to him very much through the laws uh, that they had. As I mentioned, Adam and Eve couldn't obey one, right? And then they had ten, and then there were many more laws. And as the laws increased, just as with all of us, we continue to trespass. We continue to fall short. We continue to fail in following those laws. But where we failed, Christ succeeded. Christ being perfect fulfilled that. And he was proclaimed and made known to the nations. Looking further uh, in our, our, our core scripture that we're looking at tonight from Romans 16, it says, according to the command of the eternal God. God had planned, as I mentioned, from the beginning to make his son come and live in our, in our place, in, in human form, and do what we could not. Hebrews 5, 7 through 10 says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to whom? To all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus came and fulfilled exactly what God had planned, exactly what God had commanded. He was made known to all, and for all who obey him, they would be called the children of God. That brings us to the point where we begin to talk about what we were supposed to talk about in the very beginning. I think it's important for us to understand that lens that we're looking back before we talk about the obedience of faith. It's important for us to understand what we mean when we're talking about faith. And as we look now to the obedience of faith, I want us to see two specific things about the obedience of faith. 
First is that faith produces obedience. It's not obedience producing faith. It's not the other way around. Obedience producing faith is what we saw people trying to do in the Old Testament. We saw people trying to live according to the laws, trying to, to, to live and do all of the ritual laws, all of the food laws, all of the, the laws that were in the Old Testament. They tried to live by those, and it was a works-based faith. It was all about how good could they keep the law. And we see the Pharisees and Sadducees being the best at that. They were a brood of vipers, is what Jesus calls them. They were, they were woefully inept, woefully unable to follow all of the teachings that God had given them. And not only that, they were actually trying to find ways around God's law so that they continue to sin without breaking the law. So they, they were 100% focused on that works-based faith. So for us to see obedience as obedience first and then faith is, is completely wrong. It's completely backwards. Obedience to God begins with the faith in Jesus Christ, and faith in Jesus Christ leads to obedience to God. Hebrews 11, 8 through 10. Uh, and this passage is talking about Abraham, but by faith, is what it says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And when he went out not knowing where he was going, by faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in the foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith. If you are familiar with Hebrews 11, you know that that phrase, that by faith, by faith comes up over and over again. We see that because we're looking at Abraham as an example in this particular scripture in the Old Testament of someone who believed God. By faith, he believed God. And when God told him, when he was 75 years old, pack up your stuff, it's time to move a few hundred miles northeast uh, and, and, and move up to Canaan. He gathered up his family and it says he goes. Now in Sunday school this morning, we were, oddly enough, on this same scripture and talking about this and talking about how it's interesting where the scripture says, God said go, there is no, so Abraham figured out what all he needed to do and he took a few months here and then you know, seven years later he went. Scripture just says, very simply, that he went. God said go and he went. Abraham is showing faith in God, trusting in God, and his faith is showing his obedience. So, obedience of faith, that faith produces obedience. Also, obedience is an evidence of faith. So faith produces the obedience, and as we begin to observe the lives of others, as we begin to look at what does it look like for someone to be a believer, how do I know that I'm a believer? I have uh, maybe a child or a loved one who says that they're a believer, but how do I know? How do I know? John addresses this in, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, and he says this, And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. And by this, we may know that we are in him. And whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 
And a little later in chapter 5 in 1 John, verses 2 and 3, he says, By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So as we look at a person who says they have faith, the person who says they have faith should naturally and necessarily be a person who has obedience to God displayed in their life. Obedience to God's commands, obedience to God's will, obedience to God manifested in the way that they conduct business, the way that they interact with other people. They're going to live, look, sound just like God commands them to be because they're obedient to him in faith. If you have someone who says that they are a believer in God, but yet you know and you observe that they're 100% you know, of the time is, is not like God, we, we see all of these things that are manifested in their life that are, that are not obediences to God, they're actually disobedience. Those are things that should cause us to have concern for that person. If it's in our own life, if I have things in my own life that are disobediences where I know that I am openly disobeying God and I'm openly you know, th- thumbing my nose and saying, I know better, I got this, then I have a problem. I have a problem. I'm not obeying God, and I need to evaluate where am I at. Am I really, truly placing my faith and trust 100% in Jesus Christ? Am I being obedient to him, or do I have a heart problem? Is there some problem in my life that I need to deal with? Last scripture I'd like to look at when it comes to this, this faith and works sort of discussion, because uh, again, going back to the Old Testament, having a, a legalistic sort of faith, we don't want to go so far the other way, right? Where we now want to say, well, I have professed faith in Christ, but my faith are really in my works, right? I want to make sure I'm at church. I want to make sure I, I, I tithe. I want to make sure that I, I do certain things because your faith is actually in those things and your faith is not actually in God. And there's a fine line, I think. It's good for us to have uh, manifestations or things that are flowing out of us that are, that are genuine acts, a response to God working in our life. But we have to be careful that we don't begin to check boxes, right, with I've done certain things or I'm doing certain things because then our faith, it seems, would be in what we're doing as opposed to what we're supposed to be believing in, which is just having faith in, in, in God. James chapter 2, 18 through 26 says this. But some will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that person, that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So as we look at the, 
the mystery of the obedience of faith. And as we talk about the mystery of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ, yes, they were kept for long ages, but they've now been completely disclosed and revealed to us, to all nations, in fact, through God's word, the writing of the prophets, through the appearing life, teaching, death, resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. God's design from the beginning was, has brought about the redemption of mankind, both Jews and Gentiles. Through the obedience of faith, God did exactly what he had commanded, exactly what he had intended to do, and that was to save those who were lost. Faith in Jesus Christ and obedience to God go hand in hand. Obedience of faith is a faith in God, and it is a faith that produces obedience in the life of the believer. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord God, for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the work that he did for us on the cross. We thank you for your plan of salvation for mankind. We pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to be fully trusting and placing our faith in you. And we pray, Lord, that as we put our faith and trust in you, that you would, would help us to be obedient in all things, Lord, that you would help us to, to do the things that Christ did, that you would help us to, to speak and treat people the way that Christ did, Lord. We pray that we would be constantly, Lord, seeking to serve and obey you. May I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.